What is up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Surfing the Stream, where every week we are on a quest to find out what is the greatest movie of all time. I am Matt Primo. Today, I am going to be reviewing X2, X-Men United, the second movie in our X-Men in Review series. I am currently in the middle of doing Alien and X-Men in Review, and then coming up in July, War Movies in Review. We'll be doing war movies throughout the entire month of July. Starting off with The Patriot on July 4th. Of course, you know, it, ha- it had to be July 4th, right? And then following that, we're going to review- be reviewing three other movies. Patreon supporters get two additional movies on that. So they get they get uh, six movie reviews throughout the month of July. And then at the very end of July, I don't remember the specific date. I think it's the 29th. My brother and I will be dropping our top 10 favorite war movies ever of all time we we have done uh let's see what genre series have we done up to this point we've done horror i've done 90s action i've done kung fu and now for the fourth one gonna be doing war movies in review super excited to do war movies up to this point i think 90s action has been my least favorite genre series uh i think my favorite is is definitely the first one horror in review and then we're going to be doing Horror in Review Part 2 in October. And then coming up in a couple of months, we're going to be doing Zombies in Review. Going to be reviewing and watching nothing but zombie movies throughout the month of, I think it's August, is that the, day, the, the month that we're going to be doing that. And then at the end of the year, Christmas in Review. So we got a bunch of genre series coming up for y'all, so y'all be excited for that. Be on the lookout for those specific dates and whatnot. And then I'll be releasing the dates for the the war movies in July uh, on our Facebook within the next week or so. So you should be able to see that that release date by now. I have specific release dates for each review. And you can go on there and see which reviews we're actually doing. I think it's uh, The Patriot, Saving Private Ryan, Lone Survivor, and I think Braveheart is the, the fourth and final one. I'm not 100% sure on that. But be on the lookout for that. Anyways, today we are doing X2, X-Men United. And before I jump in to my review, you can go to patreon.com slash 2game. That is the number 2. If you like what we're doing here and you want to consider supporting us, go to that, go to that little website, patreon.com slash 2game. We have a $5, $10, and a $20 tier. And by supporting us at any of those tiers, gets you access to a slew of content. You get all of our episodes uncut unrated and you can't be offended when there's a uh, bad joke in there okay that that's like the deal with going to be a patreon supporter you get the x-rated content you also get a movie or you get all of our movie reviews you get our two game podcast plus you get patreon exclusive podcast our uh music album review podcast and anime review podcast and then you get access to to pick what you want us to talk about each and every week. So go to that, patreon.com slash 2game. But that's enough of that. Let's talk about X-Men. So jumping into just a recap how I felt on the last movie on X-Men. I liked it. I think it's a pretty good movie. I think it hasn't aged well. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of issues with the first X-Men movie. But overall, super entertaining. I gave it three and a half stars. So that's where we're sitting with that. Now, the reason why I gave it three and a half stars, some people say, well, I thought it was a really great movie and, and stuff like that. 
yeah, it is a good movie, but it's very, very flawed. Very flawed. But I gave it three and a half stars, and I know I'm kind of cheating a little bit, but I've always appreciated X2 more than the first X-Men movie. There are some parts in X-Men, the original, that I absolutely love over this movie, but there are far and few between. So I had to give it three and a half stars because I know this movie, just off my experiences, is significantly better. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Does the movie live up to the year 2021 from the year 2003? Is it better than the first one? Let's find out. So X2, X-Men United. When anti-mutant colonel William Stryker kidnaps Professor X and attacks his school, the X-Men must ally with their archenemy Magneto to stop him. This movie was directed again by Brian Singer. He directed the first X-Men. Uh, he also directed uh, X-Men Apocalypse, X-Men Days of Future Past. He directed Valkyrie, Superman Returns, and Bohemian Rhapsody. The budget w- this time around, $110 million, and it grossed worldwide $407.8 million. It stars Sir Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, Sir Ian McKellen, and Brian Cox. It has a runtime of 2 hours and 14 minutes. 30 minutes longer than the original. It was released on May 2nd, 2003. So we're looking at right around 18 years ago now uh, that this movie's been released. Now we're going to jump into the fun facts. And I got some fun facts and I kind of want to talk about uh, a couple of them in a little bit more in depth when I, when I get to those. Most of the extras playing the frozen people in, throughout this movie were actually mimes, like real life mimes. So they're actually kind of used to the whole frozen stance thing. The ice wall separating Wolverine and Stryker in their reunion in the mansion battle was like legit real ice. It weighed 3,500 pounds. And this whole movie is based on the graphic novel God Loves, Man Kills. And then most of the exterior shots of the Xavier Mansion were recycled shots from the first movie mainly because they either ran out of the budget or there was no more budget left uh, for them to shoot them. The set for Stryker's underground lair was built in an old Sears warehouse and was the largest set in North America. The final scene in Xavier's mansion with Cyclops, Wolverine, and Professor X was actually shot after the fact, like after uh, Hugh Jackman had already finished all of his filming. In fact... When he was filming Van Helsing at the time that they needed this uh, little scene to be shot. So they granted him like a one-day pass to go film uh, this one scene for uh, X-Men. And he had longer hair in Van Helsing, right? So they didn't want him to cut the hair. So they had to put a wig on him. And that's why his hair looks uh, a lot different, a lot bigger in that particular scene is because... They actually filmed that after the fact when he was filming another movie. And when I'm when I was watching this movie and I got to that last part, the whole time I'm like, you know, I, I'm okay with his hair. It's, it's not that bad. I feel like as you get further in the, the movies, his hair does get significantly better that they you know they did with. But at the very end of this movie, his hair is so froed out, it's so huge. I was like, bro, what the what the hell do they do to his hair? And then it wasn't until I actually read this fun fact. I was like, oh, that makes sense. But, you know, normally I don't really notice those types of things. 
but it's almost like they didn't even try. Like, they put a wig on him, and because he had huge hair to begin with, it just, it stood up a little bit more, and it was, it was, it was, it was pretty bad, I have to say. It was pretty bad. For me to notice it, it has to be bad. In fact, uh, going off of this Van Helsing stuff, Hugh Jackman was actually offered the role of the Punisher in 2004. So uh, Thomas Jane ended up taking that role. But, and he turned down the role of the Punisher to do Van Helsing. So it's super interesting to me is how would either of those movies turned out if Hugh Jackman had went to the Punisher rather than Van Helsing? Would we would we be looking at like a uh, a Punisher series, like a trilogy or something like that, where that movie had actually taken off? Uh, I don't know. Who knows? But I I haven't seen Van Helsing in a very very long time. But my memories of that movie are very very good. I actually really enjoyed that movie as a kid, and I love the Punisher. Absolutely love Thomas Jane in that movie. So would have would would Hugh Jackman have been? the savior of that movie, and a lot of people apparently don't like that movie because they got rebooted several years later into Warzone or whatever the hell it was called. And I'm just I'm just curious how those movies, how those franchises would have turned out if Hugh Jackman would have turned up with The Punisher rather than Van Helsing. Would one of them actually had, you know, succeeded, whereas both of them kind of flopped, even though they're both good movies in my opinion. So there were some character development heavy scenes that were shot of Cyclops and Professor X being brainwashed, but 20th Century Fox cut them out because of time length and story complications. So I'm watching this movie, and one of the issues that I'm having with the entire part of this movie is the the very end, which I'll get to in a second, and it involves Cyclops. So I'll get that into just a second. Uh, the script underwent rewrites to give Halle Berry more screen time after she won an Oscar for Monsters Ball. And let's just jump into my general impressions because I do have some some nitpicky stuff about like the story and the characters that I kind of want to jump into. And it involves Cyclops and Storm. That's why both of those fun facts are in there. Overall, I freaking love this movie. It is it still holds up. It's still great. I think it's highly entertaining. This movie is significantly better than the first one. There's not as many flaws. Everything that they did wrong in the first movie has been corrected in this movie. Just about. There's, a, Like I said, there's a few things that are, are the same, if not a little bit worse. But overall, I think this movie holds up to this day, 18 years later. And I think it can't be stated enough just how influential this movie is to all of comic book movies in general. Because, yes, the X-Men movie, the original X-Men movie kind of started us on this path of the superhero genre, the comic book genre. And then, I mean, you had Spider-Man not too long after uh, X-Men. I think Spider-Man, the original, came out in 2002, if I'm not mistaken. I think it came out a year before this. And then this one came out. But I haven't seen the original Spider-Man in a very, very long time. I'm really hoping to do a Spider-Man series uh, in the near future. Just a FYI. But I feel like movies really took a new turn and to a new level once this movie came out. Because after this movie came out, I mean, you have Spider-Man 2, which is, just from my memory, one of the best superhero, best comic book movies ever made. 
And then a few years later, you have Batman Begins, and then you have The Dark Knight, then you have the MCU. So really, I think this movie is really what took comic book movies and superhero movies to the next stratosphere, to the next level. And I don't think that can be stated enough. I think the original X-Men has has a lot to do with that, but I think this is really what said, hey, these superhero movies, these comic book movies can be amazing, they can be great, they can tell great stories, and they can have some amazing action. And this was really, this wasn't the start of the blockbuster uh, movement, in my opinion. Obviously, like, Jaws is a huge uh, blockbuster and, and whatnot. But I feel like when you think of, like, modern-day blockbusters and you think about going to the movies during the summer, what movies do you think of? My my initial thoughts are Spider-Man and X-Men from the early 2000s. Those are my first thoughts when I think blockbuster from modern day, post-2000. So, again, I don't think that can be stated enough how influential this movie is to the rest of the genre as far as comic books and superheroes go. So, absolutely love this movie. I think it's worth watching. I think it's worth buying. And, uh, yeah, it still holds up to this day. Now, going further, if you have not seen the movie, uh, I highly recommend you stop this movie, stop this uh, this podcast, pause it, go watch the movie, and then come back. Because I am going to be talking about some specific spoilers from this point forward. Alright, now, I mentioned in my, my fun fact section that I had two things written at the very end that I wanted to talk about. The first was the scenes that were cut featuring Professor X and Cyclops. I'm curious to know what those scenes entailed because I obviously I have the DVDs but I haven't been able to go and look at the special features and see if there are some deleted scenes in there that include these uh, Cyclops and Professor X scenes if not. But I feel like the biggest thing that this movie is is missing is the ending in Cyclops. That is the biggest thing that is missing out of this movie. Cyclops gets almost no screen time in this movie. Halle Berry, I understand, this kind of goes along with my, my next point, or this this point right now, is Halle Berry, you know, they went under rewrites to make her more prominent in the, in the film to give her more screen time. I understand it. She did not get a whole lot of screen time in the first one, and that was one of my critiques of the first one was we don't really know who, who Storm is. We get like a few seconds of her. That's, I mean, it's, it's not very long at all. The longest conversation that she has with anybody was uh, Senator Kelly in the first one. And in this one, she's talking to everybody like she knows everybody. And, like, like they know Hugh Jackman is the star, and then Halle Berry is, like, right underneath that as far as giving them more screen time. And then, obviously, Jean Grey is right underneath that. So, I, I get it. You want to give Halle Berry some more screen time? That's fine. But when the end of the movie involves the triangular relationship between Wolverine, Cyclops, and Jean Grey, I feel like you have done your movie a disservice when you do not explore that triangle, that love triangle, further in the movie. Yes, we got a lot of it in the first movie. We should have got more of it in the second, in this one, than, than what we got. We got a little bit in the very beginning, and then we don't see Cyclops for an hour 
maybe. Maybe longer than that. I'm not entirely sure. It's a very, very long time. He's at the very beginning of the movie, and then he's at the very end of the movie. So he, he just shows up out of nowhere. He does almost nothing this entire movie. And then Jean Grey goes and sacrifices herself. She uses her Dark Phoenix powers to save all the X-Men. And then he's heartbroken. Yes, we kind of get a little bit of the, you know, hits us in the feels a little bit because we had that relationship from the first movie. But it doesn't hit as hard as it should because we spent almost no time with Cyclops throughout this two-hour-long movie. Now, you gave this movie 30 extra minutes on top of the first movie. Okay, great. That was one of my complaints with the first one. I said this movie should have been probably about 15 about 15 minutes long, 15, 20 minutes longer. They gave me 30 minutes longer in this. Okay, other than setting up story and going more into the the backstory of Wolverine, what did we really use that extra time for? I, I'm not understanding because we didn't use it for character development, which was one of my big complaints about the first one. I said there was almost no character development. You absolutely don't know any of the personalities. I mean, other than the personalities of the X-Men, you don't know anything about them. And you get a little bit more of that in this movie, but it's not much. It's not much better. It's really not. They really dive deep, and I say deep, but deeper, shout out, into Wolverine's past. And granted, Wolverine is the star of the X-Men. I mean, he is what it is. But I would have liked, just throw 10, 12 minutes to, to old Cyclops over there, old Faithful. Give him some screen time. 10 of that minutes should have been towards him. And then, you know, get rid of some of the other BS scenes in the movie. I, I can't think of them off the top of my head. Like, they, they give a little bit more time to Pyro, which Pyro is cool, but they give Pyro more screen time than Cyclops, who is one of the biggest, the most well-known X-Men out there. So, I, Pyro's cool and all. Put him to the side. Give me more Cyclops. All right, give me more Cyclops because at the very end, the whole movie is hamstrung by the fact that you have not developed that triangular relationship, that love triangle, more so than what you did. And then the fact that Cyclops is not in the movie, that ending does not hit as hard uh, for me personally. And it should hit really hard. It really should. Like that ending should be crushing. You know, uh, Brian Singer considers this to be the the Empire Strikes Back of the X-Men franchise. And to some degree, he's absolutely right because that end of that movie does not end on a good note. It doesn't, like, whatsoever. But the fact that you didn't develop that relationship a little bit more, give Cyclops more screen time, it it really, really did a disservice for the movie. And the fact that they all went to the President's uh, Oval Office immediately afterwards... And he's just standing there like nothing ever happened. Him and Wolverine. I'm like, so do we care about her dying or do we not? Like, y'all, y'all cool now or what's up? Like, they missed some emotional beats at the very end. And they didn't capitalize on it, in my opinion. Now, does that make this movie worse? Does it make it uh, not as good? No. I, I don't feel like that really takes this movie back or holds it back, in my opinion. If anything, it prevents this movie from being amazing. Because just think, if they had nailed that ending, they had nailed that triangular relationship, 
between those three characters and really nailed that ending. I think this movie goes from a great movie to one of the best superhero movies of all time. Top five, can't be touched. I mean, it, it really, like seriously. Uh, like in contention with my favorite movies of all time, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins. I mean, I really think this movie had so much potential and they just squandered it because they did not develop that relationship as much as they should. As far as everything else in the movie, yes, Storm gets some more screen time and she just stands there, cocks her head to the side and does some weather stuff. And yeah, it is what it is. Uh, I, when I said I wanted more Storm, I wanted more development of her. Not necessarily to see her powers every five seconds and to see her just stare at the screen and cock her head to the side, which is an annoying thing that they do in this movie. Jean Grey does it, uh, Storm does it, and then just a, a couple other characters do it. They, they just stare there, they just stand there and just cock their head, and then they use their powers. It's almost like, like if I was pretending to be one of the X-Men, I would just stand there and just cock my head to the side. Like, if I was a kid, that's what I would do. And that's really what a lot of this movie... You can tell in this movie that it, it feels like a like a 12-year-old. Like, they did the imagination of a 12-year-old and, like, how they would play this character in the yard. That's how, like, what they did in the movie. Like, it, it's really weird. Like, it doesn't take away from the movie at all, but it's just kind of annoying in that sense. It doesn't make this movie any less for me. It's still a great movie, even though it looks like a 12-year-old uh, came up with some of the, the not the stunts, but the, the way the, the film looks with the characters and them using their powers. As far as the score, I absolutely hate the score. I think the score is terrible. The music is terrible. Everything about the score is terrible. It, it really is. Uh, I started paying attention to the score because I think I missed it in the first movie. I don't remember if I talked about it in my review, but this score is terrible, like really bad. It's amazing how far superhero movies have come compared to this one with uh, score and composers because it was pretty bad. As far as the writing, I think the writing is significantly better. And actually, come to that point, I was talking to my wife about this because she came in while I was watching the the beginning of this movie and. We started talking about some of the how it's a it's a testament of the time that it was in. So the first X Men was filmed in the late '90s, and if you've and I mentioned this in my first review, if I'm not mistaken, you can tell that they have some of that '90s like writing and dialogue in this in that movie. You can tell it's a product of the '90s, even though it came out in 2000, it was filmed in the '90s. So a lot of the 90s stuff, the 90s era, is in that movie. Now, three years later, or maybe four years later if you count the the filming time, three, four years later, the movie is completely different with the way it looks. And we're expected to think that this is, I mean, I, I don't think it ever said how long between the first movie and the second movie is, but I don't think it's three or four years. So, you come into this movie... And the styles are completely different. You got the the characters look edgy, like super edgy. Like they have like chokers around their necks. And then you have every female showing off their boobs. Now, nothing wrong with that. Like I completely I'm uh, I'm okay with it. But you can tell like this the 
like you saw no boobs in the first one in the late 90s. And in this one, three or four years later, every girl is showing off her boobs. Storm, Halle Berry, her boobs are everywhere in this movie. They really are. I told my wife, it feels like like the era of Britney Spears and uh, Christina Aguilera and all of them when they went from these young poppy girls and they hit like the 18 and they went like super sexy with all their uh, music videos. You know what I'm saying? Like it feels like that where they were showing their cleavage and they were dancing all provocatively. That's kind of the same era that this movie's in right now. And it, it's just funny to me to see the, the stark contrast between the first one and the second one where the first one is like is this late 90s action dialogue and you know set design slash clothing and then you get into this one and it's super edgy provocative it's just it was funny to me it was something that i noticed and maybe you'll notice it too now that i mentioned it but with that being said the writing is significantly better in this movie i like it a lot more there were not a whole bunch of scenes that I just rolled my eyes to. There were some. Uh, a lot of them involved Pyro. He had some bad writing. I don't know if it was his acting. Uh, but it, it, the, the writing was just not good in a, a few scenes. They just seemed super, super dry. And then I didn't appreciate the cat licking the damn uh, Wolverine claws. They tried to insert humor where like they tried to force it in there and it just didn't it didn't feel natural and it really took me out of the movie uh, a lot of the times is when they tried to insert those comedic moments the forced comedic moments I should say and that's I think that's really a testament to to the year that it came out to be honest with you because I don't know if they really do that anymore like I don't know if a movie would get away with a a Wolverine character opening his claws to a cat, and then the cat licking it. Like, everybody would kind of just roll their eyes at that nowadays. And I think that's really just a testament to the time that this movie came out. The last thing that I do want to mention in my review is is the action. So the first one, I went into the movie looking for the action, and I was like, oh, I remember there being a lot of action in this movie. And there really wasn't that much action. In fact, the action wasn't that great. There was a lot of wire work. It was just, it looked like terrible terrible action to be honest with you for an action movie it wasn't very good and then you come into this movie which is three four years later depending on how you look at it with filming and release i think the action is significantly better but it's still not great but it's significantly better than the first one i think you can still tell the uh, the wire work it's still bad and then just the the quick cuts of action now granted they did berserker mode with uh, Wolverine and they had to do quick cuts with him because of R ratings and whatnot. So there's that. I'll give that a pass. But for the most part, the action is is a step above the first one. Not amazing compared to, you know, today's standards, but for then it was pretty great. And I, I, I enjoyed the action in this movie. I didn't look at any scene in this movie other than the wire work. Uh, particularly with Wolverine and then Cyclops when he gets blasted, you know, at the dam. Other than those key moments, I never really got taken out of the action by crappy-looking action sequences. 
Uh, the CGI, significantly better in this movie. It's not great. There's a lot of scenes where it doesn't really hold up, and you can tell there's a fake shots, particularly the claws, the, the water in the dam, you know, crashing everything, and then the storms, obviously. It just, some of that you can tell is just, it didn't age very well with the CGI, but for the most part, uh, significantly better than the first movie. Significantly better. So that brings me to my final point of, I think overall, I other than the score, I think they improved on every aspect of the first movie. I think they they took what was wrong with the first movie, and they're like, hey, all right, the action sequences in the first one were weren't that great. Let's improve on that. Let's work on those in this one. Let's give it more action, and let's do let's add some more time to this movie to let it breathe a little bit to give some more character development and to set up this this beefy story a little bit more. So I think they did great on that. The the writing significantly better, but is that a product of his time? Eh, who's to say? And then you get a little bit more character development with some of the characters, uh, Wolverine in particular. But then, I don't know, they kind of lose a little bit of that in the aspect of of Cyclops, where they gave more screen time to Storm, which I don't think she should have got the most screen time. If anything, she should have had the same amount of screen time as the first movie, and they should have bumped up uh, Cyclops and then took down Pyro, in my opinion. And I almost forgot to talk about the story. I really did. Almost forgot. So, here's what I was thinking about throughout the course of the movie. I really do enjoy this story. I think story-wise, this might be next to Days of Future Past. This might... No, Logan. Logan's a great story. Wolverine's a great story, uh, from my memories, of course. I think in in terms of just sheer, like, just a great singular story... I think this is they did a great job in this movie. And yes, I never realized that they were building on Dark Phoenix in this movie. Like I said, it's been 10 plus years since I've seen this movie. And I don't think I've ever seen this movie back to back to back. Not in my adult years anyways. With the third one. Now obviously I know what happens in the third one. Dark Phoenix comes. No future spoilers. But it's, it's funny to me that they were showing that stuff in this movie never realized it now granted I wasn't a huge comic book fan back in those days like I didn't know much about X-Men other than what was on the movie and what was in the cartoon uh, now that I have you know read a bunch of stuff online and, and whatnot I kind of know where where they would be going with this after watching this movie so it's interesting to see that they kind of laid the groundwork in this movie and built upon it in the third one so, super interesting. Never really caught that. The one thing, the other issue with the story that I have is there are almost no consequences for Professor X in this movie. He starts hurting humans, starts hurting mutants. He he never once feels bad about the situation, never mentions like any remorse or like an idea to, to change Cerebro or, or anything like that. I think what would have been interesting, and I know they, they ended on a bad note with Jean Grey dying. What would have been more interesting, okay, if Jean Grey died, and let's just say the third movie is the best X-Men movie of all time. I mean, I, I don't remember because I've, I've always liked the third one compared to everybody else. But let's just say you had a chance to make the perfect X-Men movie. 
from after this movie, immediately after this movie, you had a chance to go with Dark Phoenix or like a hybrid modified version of Logan where Professor X is dealing with the death of thousands upon thousands of people or mutants. We can do it. We can do mutants. And he, in the third one, he has to deal with the ramifications of he built Cerebro and then someone used it for bad, for bad things and ended up killing thousands of people, whether that be humans or mutants. I think that story would have been so amazing, especially if they would have tied that somehow to Logan or, or something like that. Uh, I don't know what they could have done. But I feel like it was a missed opportunity in this movie is to give him some real consequences for for having Cerebro. And instead they went with Jean Grey and her death, which I mean, I'm not upset by it right now. I mean, that works in the, in the context of this movie. But I feel like there should have been some type of consequence for Professor X in this movie. And there wasn't. At the end of the day, he's just all happy and let's live uh, united as X-Men. And that's really... All he did at the end of that movie. He showed no remorse. He never even mentioned Cerebro after he got uh, snapped out of the illusion. Never once mentioned it. And that, oh man, I messed up. Like, nothing like that. So I feel like that was another missed opportunity. It would have been, been interesting to see a story, the story go from what it was in X2 to to you know, modified Logan version where he he's killed thousands of people. I would totally be into that. And I think that'd be a great X-Men story to uh, to see on the, the big screen. But overall, I give this movie four stars. I think it's significantly better than the first one. I'm kind of regretting giving the first one three and a half stars, to be completely honest with you. And I know we have uh, one of our Patreon supporters, Eric, who we were texting in our group text. And he's like, how do you give that three and a half stars? I gave it four. And I gave all my reasons out for why I gave it three and a half. And... It was mainly because I knew how good this movie was, but like I couldn't give this one four. I couldn't give X Men, you know, four stars, and then give this four and a half stars. Because while it's a great movie, I don't think it's four and a half stars. Because I mean, we still have some great X Men movies to watch. So I thought three and a half was perfect for this, four for this. Now I'm thinking it's kind of a. Now I'm kind of dogging on this movie a little bit by giving it four stars and that three and a half. Probably should have gave the first one three stars, to be honest with you. But either way, both of these movies are fantastic. This one is amazing, and I highly recommend go watch it if you have not seen it. I don't know what you've been doing for the last 18 years if you have not seen X2, X-Men United. But like the the first movie, you can buy this on Vudu for $15 or buy the, the original trilogy for $25. Now, is this movie worth $15? Y'all know my, y'all know my thing with... You know, 10-plus-year-old movies. This movie is 18 years old. It's worth $15, yes, but I would not pay more than 10 bucks for this. I really I really wouldn't. But it is technically worth $15. Uh, the trilogy, absolutely worth $25 to get all three of these movies. And, and now that I'm kind of looking at the... Now that I'm two movies into the trilogy, it's, it's interesting to see how much more connected they are than I originally thought they were coming into this. I thought they were more singular with some, some, a couple, you know, plot lines kind of threaded through 
with the relationships. But other than that, they were just more singular stories. Uh, but now I'm kind of realizing that it's more connected than I, than I originally thought. So I'm super excited to jump into uh, The Last Stand, which is what I'm about to watch immediately following this recording. I am so interested in watching that movie because I have not seen it uh, probably since it came out. It, it not uh, That's not true because I watched it as a kid a lot. But it's been 10 plus years since I've seen uh, X-Men The Last Stand. So super excited to watch that movie and to dive further into this franchise and the series. But I appreciate y'all joining me along for this lengthy review. I cannot believe I've been talking for this long. But I find I, I'm so passionate about X-Men because it's one of the few few comic book franchises that I'm I'm super familiar with. And I just absolutely love, love, love X-Men. But y'all let me know what y'all think about X2, X-Men United. Send me an email at twogamepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number two, by the way. Email me there, and I will read out your responses on our next episode of the X-Men in Review series. But I appreciate y'all joining me on today's episode, and I will catch y'all next time.